Hello and welcome to Automators, the automation podcast where we get nerdy, we get automated, and we make magic happen. My name is Rosemary Orchard, and I'm joined, as always, by David Sparks. Hey, David, how are you today? I am great, Rose, and I am here for Automation April. Yes. Do you say it like, say yes. it like, uh, like one of those truck rallies? I don't know. Gang, we got some, we got some friends here. Federico. Yeah. John, welcome to the show. Hey, hey David. Thanks, Hi, guys. Rose. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, no oh, worries. Thank you for man. coming. Do you say Automation April like a truck rally? Is that how you guys do it? What is a truck rally? We haven't been, but I think we should. I think especially Federico being from Italy, he's, you know. I he... share Rose's question. Like, what is a track? Like, I also... <laughs> is it a truck rally? Is it a track rally? Is there a NASCAR race involved? No, what, what's a, happening here? Them, I've never been to one, but they call them monster truck rallies. And these people oh, build these yeah. trucks with the... I have been to one, David. Oh, I've actually been to have. a monster truck rally <laughs> just once in my life. And they're actually kind of fun to do once. Uh, you know, you see giant trucks drive around in a stadium and crush other cars and trucks and race around in circles. Yeah. It's very loud, very, very, it's uh, very, very American. American. Very American. <laughs> yeah. I was say, so basically, we just need to introduce Automation April with hype, um, is yes, what you're saying, David. Hype. Yeah, yeah I, hype I believe I would assume there's a lot of like fried food at a truck rally, right? I mean, oh, like yes, a lot of fried very much stuff. so. But the announcer always like has that Automation April, kind of like the... Like a roaring engine kind of thing. I feel like that—that's the way I feel about Automation April. But that's why we're here today, gang. Uh, before we get started, though, I, just a couple quick announcements. I'm doing a calendar webinar on April 21st, and I've been really getting serious about my calendar now. I've got some really weird automation stuff I'm doing with my calendar. It's a free webinar, April 21st. We'll put a link in the show notes if you want to join us for that. But. Uh, the reason we had uh, John and Federico here today is they had this great idea. And over at Mac Stories, through the whole month, they're sharing automation workflows. Well, in fact, you guys tell mm-hmm. us about it. What is Automation April? Well, uh, can I go first, John? And then and go then for it. Can... <laughs> okay. So uh, <laughs> I've, I've been rehearsing my pitch for Ooh. Automation April many times. He's um, very good so... at it. Yeah, thank you. Well, I hope I don't <laughs> I don't blow it now. Uh, so our idea was uh, we, we actually came to to this you know to this idea from starting from a couple of different points. Um, first of all, we really wanted to find a way to celebrate the automation community. We we wanted to put together a special event in at the time of year when usually there's not a ton of Apple news. And I mean, mm-hmm. sure, we just got the WWDC announcement, but the uh, March event from Apple has passed and now there's usually those couple of months when, you know, everybody's just waiting for June. And so we thought, can we do something pretty cool here for Mac Stories readers? Um, and what can it be? And of course, the, you know, the idea of doing something related to automation um, sounded like an ideal candidate for us because we, we, we write about shortcuts, we share shortcuts, we love automation uh, and we, we use it you know, we use shortcuts on every device every day. So it felt like a like a nice match for Mac stories. Mm-hmm. But more than that, uh, we also wanted to put the spotlight on on creators, on people who can who use shortcuts on Apple devices, especially now that it's also available on Mac OS, mm-hmm. um, and use shortcuts to create just 
cool stuff, cool things, useful workflows, useful automations, and to put the spotlight on those people and doing so in a way that we can go beyond what we usually cover, what John and I usually cover, because there are, I'm sure there are hundreds, thousands of use cases for shortcuts that we cannot possibly imagine. And lastly, um, we wanted to try our hand at running a month-long event, which we'd never done before, and to see whether we could do like the full package, if you if you will. Like, can we do an event where every single thing, every single property of this sort of Mac Stories universe that we have has something about shortcuts for a whole month. So whether mm-hmm. it's Mac Stories or the podcast or Club Mac Stories for members or the Discord, um, can, can we do at least one thing for each of these places? And so that was our that was our pitch for Automation April. And then, of course, we added a contest on top of it because, you know, healthy competition uh, is, is fun, is good, and we want to see what people come up with. Yeah, I mean, and it is. You're delivering as we record this. We've just mm-hmm. got started on April, and there's a ton of great content coming down. But you know, yeah. the, the thing you just said that really resonates with me is this idea that there are thousands of people making shortcuts that you've never thought of. And that's really the idea of it, right? I mean, I feel like you know, the whole point of automation is that everybody automates on a basis that works for them. And Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, right. And, and I really, I mean, the whole reason this show exists is I feel like everybody can automate, you know, you don't have to make it a 200 step shortcut in order to be an automator. You can make a two step shortcut. And if it solves a problem mm-hmm. for you, you're an automator. And I, I love that you're kind of like putting a spotlight on that idea. Yeah. That, that's really important to us because, you know, as, as much as Federico and I try to, put ourselves in the shoes of other people using shortcuts and design shortcuts to share that we think are appealing to a, a broad audience. There's still so many other use cases, as Federico said, that are just not things that he and I do in our everyday lives. And this way we're going to have, you know, there, are, there's a kind of a forum for a much broader audience to, to share what they've created and get it out to a, a you know, a, a bigger readership and bigger audience. Now, is it just based on shortcuts, or are you looking at other automation platforms? Well, that's a, that's a good question. So initially, we thought uh, we, we should uh, include any kind of automation utility for any kind of platform. Uh, that was like the starting idea. But then we realized if we're going to run a contest for this and we need a set of boundaries mm-hmm. and we need a set of rules, well, it just becomes a little too much, you know? Yeah. Uh, when you're asking a group of 10 people, you know, our judges, including both of you, uh, in fact, uh, like, we're just 10 people and we are expecting, you know, many shortcuts submitted by folks. It just becomes impossible to say, well, okay, this is a shortcut. This is a keyboard maestro utility. This is an Alfred workflow. And look, there's also the guy who came up with the Python script. Yeah, and, right. And, and, right. And, 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 yeah. And, and, and when does it cross the line into programming? You know, it, it gets exactly. blurry there at, in spots. Yeah, I, I think you're doing it right. And and it's also just kind of a fortuitous time because I feel like shortcuts is, you know, it's had a rough beginning on the Mac, but it's getting to a good place right now. So mm-hmm. this is like the perfect time to be doing this. 
Yeah, yeah. Especially after the the recent updates, I think there was fifteen dot three that they had the updates where they've they've just tweaked some of the the names of um, some of the actions slightly and all of those icons as well and, and fixed. Fortunately, finally, uh, a number of small but aggravating bugs um, that were hanging around in macOS. So it's excellent timing from that perspective as well. Yeah, well, yeah, it really is. A, it, I was going to say it's a really good time to jump in because I know last summer as I was working on the betas for Monterey, I was very disappointed only because I was so excited to dig into shortcuts for Mac. And I really just kind of put it aside for a while until it got got a little more stable. And I've been using it regularly now since Monterey was released. But it really has been, as you said, Rose, been the last month or two when it's really started to come into its own and be something that you can work in without too many frustrations. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, it really energized us, if you if you will, uh, this arrival of shortcuts on the Mac. Uh, even, you know, despite the problems that, that we saw last year on, on all platforms, really, and especially mm-hmm. the Mac, um, it feels like you, it's really breathing new life uh, into the community, in, in us, even like I, I'm... I think I also speak for John here. We, we're going through this really creative period for automation and shortcuts in our own personal use cases, yeah. which is a good sign because it means that Apple is giving us the tools to come up with new ideas and to share them with people. And so the timing was right uh, you know, for us and for shortcuts. Apple mm-hmm. is still f- continuing to fix problems, so that's a, also a good sign. And um, honestly... And you know, you know, we had nothing else to do. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> so I, I, I find that hard to believe. The amount of content that the entire Mac Stories team produce, of course, you two in particular, it feels like you must have a never-ending list of, of things to do. Um, well, so I'm sure you have plenty of options. We have many ideas. We have many ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That yes, we we have many yeah, ideas, thanks. but um, it's this. You know, April and May. Mm-hmm tend to be slow months. Also because like developers, for example, indie developers especially, they tend to, at this point, they tend to wait for WWDC before Mm -hmm. releasing new apps. So that's why you get the influx of like new indie apps in September, October through November, maybe, because that's when developers are, you know, implementing all the features from WWDC. But then when 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 it's springtime, everybody's like, well, you know, do I really want to release a brand new product right mm-hmm. now? I guess I'm just going to wait for June and see what happens. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And also, you know, people who are indie developers, that if they're going to take time off, like now is a pretty good time to take some time off of do- whatever yeah. your, your app is so that, you know, you're re- rested and refreshed, ready for whatever Apple dump on you at WWDC, be that a thousand new features you can implement or, ah, oh, I'm going to go rework this area of my app now that there's been some refactoring involved in how everything mm-hmm. that I'm using works, uh, as I'm sure more than one developer has encountered in the past, um, which is good. But do either of you have any uh, particular idea uh, or a wish that you would immediately like to see for shortcuts at WWDC this year? Speaking of, you know, the event that was just announced. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so many. So okay, I can, many I can hear the thump of what sounds like a very large set of encyclopedia landing on a desk. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, Federico and I do an episode of App Stories every year where yeah. we do our shortcuts wishes. And it there are some on there that have been on there for a very long time. And I don't know. I would I would start with first of all, I think I hope this year 
is more of a tightening down mm -hmm. everything that's still a little loose kind of year. That said, though, I think there are a lot of kind of quality of life things that could be added to shortcuts on all platforms that would make uh, creators' lives a lot easier. And one of the things that's at the top of my list is tagging and subfolders because this is something I run into all the time. I have you know various folders of my shortcuts, but there are things that really fit into multiple categories. And having a tagging system would make it so much easier to have a tag for widgets, say, for the things that I want to show up in the widget on my mm -hmm. iPad's home screen. But it also happens to be related to you know Club Mac Stories, so I want it. I want to see it when I when I'm sorting that way as well, filtering that way as well. So I think some a little bit another layer of organization would be go a long way with shortcuts. Fair enough. Federico, what about you? I'm sure you've got a list. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm just going to mention too. Um, I would love to run shortcuts on my iPad as quickly as I can on the Mac, mm -hmm. especially since on, on my MacBook, I started using Raycast. Uh, but it's, it's you know, the same applies if you're using LaunchBar, I think, or Alfred. It's really fast to, you know, you, you yeah. can really run shortcuts by typing their name. And especially these utilities that have fuzzy search built in, you can just type a few letters and press return and run a shortcut immediately from anywhere. And even if you spend the time and, I, and, I've, and I've done that to configure Spotlight on the iPad to disable the kind of content sources mm -hmm. that, you know, are polluting your results. Even if you trim down that list, running shortcuts is either kind of slow or just not as reliable as these launchers on the Mac. Because sometimes it happens to me basically on a daily basis. I type the, the exact name of a shortcut. So not even fuzzy search, but the exact name and spotlight on the iPad just doesn't find it for whatever reason. Um, so that's not great. And, uh, you know, I would love to see a better spotlight integration, but also system-wide keyboard shortcuts, system-wide hotkeys yep. for triggering yeah. shortcuts on the iPad. Because there's already the accessibility feature, right, where different yes. buttons on a mouse can trigger shortcuts and various other useful utilities as well, which is great. But yeah, it would be great if they could expand that to a few other yeah. things too. Yeah, and and the second thing I, I would mention is for personal automations, I would love to see um, an, an API or you know a developer framework of some kind for third-party triggers. So let mm. third-party apps define a set of conditions that can trigger uh, an automation in shortcuts. Yeah. Uh, things like, I don't know, I just uh, saved uh, a draft for the article that I'm working on in, in IA Writer or Obsidian, or I just marked a tweet as a favorite in TweetBot. You know, once you consider, well, what if third-party apps could be triggers for automations? There could be so many different ideas for that. Yeah. And that would be that would be pretty awesome. Yeah, and they could even limit that to things in the foreground as well. So like you have to actively be doing something. So yes. it's not like this application synced in the background or received that push notification or whatever. You know, you know, then you know, they can send you a push notification, you tap on it and open it, and that could run the shortcut, whatever it is, um, because of their trigger. That would be really great. Uh, David, you know, do you have uh, a wish as we're, we're on Shortcuts Wishes right now? And, you know, I'm sure the Shortcuts team have got plenty of time to implement all of this before WWDC. Yeah, that's how it works. They listen yeah. to podcasts a couple of months before and then they yeah, do Yeah, and then magic yeah. happens. Yeah. Yes. They listen to our show and they're like, oh, okay, that's yeah. our list. Um, yep, yep. <laughs> uh, I mean, is, there, is there such a thing as Snow Leopard for Shortcuts? I mean, um, I, I really, 
the biggest frustration for me, shortcuts right now, is I advocate it. I make a podcast about it. I talk about it on my blog, and and you know, I'm I'm publishing shortcuts. And the the worst thing is when I get an email from someone who said, you know, you've been talking about this for years. I decided to try it, and I made the simple one, but it's not working. And could you help me fix it? And then I see the shortcut they've made, and it, the only thing that's working that's that's breaking it is some kind of bug, you know. So this yep. person's first exposure to shortcuts is I did it right, but it still didn't work. And the likelihood of them doing it a second time is pretty small at that point. And I think they really just need to tighten things down. And um, listening to Federico and John talk, it reminded me that, you know, like we do have this kind of disparity of features, whether it's the way you trigger them or or the existence of triggers on the Mac, which there aren't that many. I would like to see them just kind of tighten things down, make the the number one goal that if somebody wants to learn to do shortcuts and they make simple shortcuts, they are going to work 1000% of the time that there will never be a problem. And, and then kind of balance the features between the two platforms. And like, I feel like we're still at the foundation period, you know, Craig Federighi last year said short, you know, this was the beginning shortcuts on the Mac was the beginning of their automation strategy. Well, you can't build a building without a solid foundation. And I feel like they still need some more concrete. I think that's an important point, David, because, you know, if you're new to shortcuts and you run into one of those bugs, you don't necessarily know that it's a bug. You might think it's you. And I think that that is a a big problem to expanding the audience for shortcuts. So I I agree with you. I really hope that gets gets, uh, worked on. Yeah. For me, I want uh, unknown action to just go and die a death in a corner somewhere. Um, It feels (laughs) like... It, I, I feel like this didn't used to happen as much, but it's somewhat frequent. I actually downloaded a shortcut from David the other day, and I'm pretty certain it was an OmniFocus action, and it was said it wasn't known. Um, and I'm presuming that's because I was running a slightly different beta version of OmniFocus 4 to to David. But, um, you know, unknown action is just not helpful in any way, shape, or form. You know, I'm downloading something, and maybe I don't have things installed or Todoist, but I'm trying to see what somebody's doing to solve a similar problem that they've got. It'd be great if I could see that action, and it just sort of grayed things out and made it really clear. This won't run because it's not on your device, but it would help with app discovery as well, um, as showing people, you know, what this action is supposed to be doing, instead of just, oh, there's an unknown action here, and that that area of stuff has just disappeared into a lovely black hole. Have fun. Um, it, it it makes it a bit more difficult. So I'm hoping that that will be resolved and just fixing, you know, fixing some of those bugs that we've got with uh, things not working or so automation is not running because they don't have permissions, but not telling you clearly that they don't have permissions, things like that. That would be great to just get sorted. This episode of Automators is brought to you by Electric. Turning a small business into an empire takes work and you have to keep your ear to the ground for things that will take you to the next level. But that can be hard when your direction is pulled in different directions, because that's the reality of being a boss. The team over at Electric No Small Businesses, maybe like yours, face these challenges. That's why they've solved this problem for you by operating as your IT department. Instead of spending your time sorting through unused application licenses, setting up employee laptops, and answering never-ending IT questions from your team, you can build their empire. With Electric acting as your IT department, you can get back to what you're good at. Plus, you get a really cool IT platform to see and manage everything. Of course, just because you can do things doesn't mean you should. Sometimes the best case of being a boss is actually knowing when you shouldn't do something and you should hand it off to somebody or something else. Honestly, I would love Electric because it would allow me to just not have to deal with sourcing my own devices. 
And of course, that means that I wouldn't have to source them for any of the people who work for me either. You should go check out Electric if you've got employees and you've got devices that need managing, sourcing, maintaining, updating, and just general IT questions that need dealing with. You don't have to be your own IT department. For Automaze's listeners, Electric are offering a free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones for taking a qualified meeting. Just go to electric.ai slash automators. That's electric.ai slash automators. Go there now to get your free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones today for scheduling a meeting. Our thanks to Electric for their support of this show. So one of the things I've been enjoying from afar, Federico, is hearing your experiences, you know, going back to the Mac. And I know shortcuts is what kind of brought you there. But, Mm -hmm. you know, how is your automation story developing on the Mac as you're using one more now? Yeah, it's it's been a really fascinating journey after, you know, more than seven years working exclusively on the iPad. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting accustomed again to to Mac OS with this with this M1 Max MacBook Pro. Um it, it's been a, a learning experience. I feel like I've I've I'm visiting an old house where I used to live many years ago. And so some things are familiar, but some things are forgotten about. And for Shortcuts has been sort of this guide, right, that has been helping me in the process because all of my shortcuts that I created on the iPhone and iPad was, you know, were carried over to macOS and, I, and I've been able to continue to use them. And so that was the f- like the first period of like, yeah, I need to learn this platform again. Yeah. But I have my shortcuts with me. Mm-hmm. And at first, I was using the shortcuts very much in sort of compatibility mode, meaning these are, they look and they behave just as they do on the iPad. These are the same shortcuts with no special modifications yeah. for macOS. But then over time, I realized I can keep using the same shortcut, but branch out in terms of what it looks like and what it does, depending on whether I'm using the iPad, which I still do, or I'm using the MacBook. Right. Now, so over time... Let me ask you a question on that, because there's there's a couple of ways to do that, right? You know, because there are actions that don't work on one platform or the other, and there's triggers that don't work. Yeah. So I know some people will do that by making a separate shortcut, one for the Mac and one for the iOS, or Mm -hmm. some people will use the device, you know, condition. If this is a Mac, then go off in this track. Um, I feel like neither one is really ideal. How, How do you tackle that? Well, you're right. Neither of them is ideal. And yet those are really the only solutions Mm -hmm. that we have at the moment. So if a shortcut is Mac only, so if I know that it only works on the Mac because it's got like one single Apple script action or one single shell script action, I have a, a, a Mac folder in shortcuts and I create, you know, Mac only shortcuts and I keep them there. But most of the time, I have these sort of hybrid, like multi-platform shortcuts. And my preferred approach is to have the condition. Uh, so mm-hmm. to do, if uh, device model is a Mac, do this. Uh, otherwise, you know, continue to do that instead. There are ways to optimize when you design a shortcut like that. Yeah. So in my shortcuts, I try to uh, um, to to 
to deal with these conditions upfront. So, for example, if I need to uh, to process a Safari web page, right? Instead of having these conditions nested like in, in the middle of a shortcut, I try to fix this upfront at the beginning mm-hmm. of the shortcut, so that I can save my variable for the selection of a web of a web page, for example, right away, so that yeah. later the shortcut can continue and it's the same everywhere. But usually I have this little condition at the top where it's like if device model is a Mac, and thankfully those device uh, details are now a built-in variable, so you mm-hmm. can easily pick it from the from the variable uh, menu. Yeah, uh, I just put it there and I say if it's a Mac, do this series of steps, and 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 that's it. It's a little more tricky for shortcuts that accept input uh, from outside, and that's because there are different ways to trigger shortcuts on the Mac, but also the share sheet is missing from the Mac. Yeah. So there's, there was a oh, bit yeah. of, there was a bit of, I needed to figure this out. And um, there are utilities, like there's one that, that we covered called ShareBot yeah. that like tries to simulate uh, running a shortcut from the share sheet, but it's, I mean, it works, but it's not ideal, right? Because then yeah. ShareBot passes, you know, a bunch of, uh, base 64 text and you need to deal with that so that's not that's not ideal but generally speaking uh, Mac only shortcuts I have a few of those mm-hmm. otherwise I have to use the conditions because it's you know there's no really no other solution ideally uh, this wouldn't be necessary though like yeah. ideally uh, uh, the iPad and the Mac would all have the same actions so yeah, I yeah. don't know maybe, maybe this year we'll, we'll get some of that feature parity what what would you do if you were at Apple to fix this issue? Like, so for listeners mm. who aren't familiar, sometimes you'll run a shortcut, you'll make it on your iPhone, and it just won't run on the Mac because of yep. the differences. You know, I guess just yeah. you'd look for a way to make every action work on every platform. Well, I guess the problem you can look at it as a technical problem like oh the action is broken on this platform so maybe the 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 one solution could be well what if actions they don't give you an error message instead they adapt to the other device so yeah. like they they change depending on the device so that could be one approach but maybe you got to fix the underlying problem which is why are some actions not supported on iPad um so there's an argument there i guess where um finder actions they should become compatible with files or find windows why is it not supported on ipad so i guess the problem if i were at apple i would say how can we make sure that all these actions with some exceptions right because i mean apple script does apple really want to run apple script on ipad os probably not so I would try as much as possible to trim the list of these exceptions mm-hmm. and, and make all actions compatible cross-platform. Yeah, and some of them, I mean, we're talking about some things like that would seem like a distinction between a, a, a laptop and an iPhone, but some of them don't make sense at all. Like the timer is a great one. Like you can set a timer with an action on your iPhone, but the Mac doesn't support it. it, it like, Except the Mac does support it if you do it via Siri. It can set a timer yeah, and countdown. Or, and, the, and the shortcuts <laughs> action gives you an error message. And it's like, exactly. It doesn't seem yeah. like it would be that hard to fix something like that, you know? 
Right. And there are issues with things like Safari. I mean, Safari Reader, which is the the functionality that allows you to easily grab different components of a web page, just doesn't exist on the Mac. And that to mm-hmm. me, that's that's more of an issue for like the Safari team to fix so that there's greater compali- c- compatibility between the two, you know, the two platforms. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I'd love to see things like the vibrate action which only works on iPhone and Apple Watch, like it would should just be ignored on the other platforms. Like maybe it should pop up like a thing that said, hey, I couldn't vibrate because I'm not a machine that has a vibrate feature in. But like it, it shouldn't crash, like just stop your shortcut at the point where it would vibrate because... Mm-hmm. That, or a logical thing would be to say, why don't you just flash the screen inverse colors for a second? And that's a vibration mm-hmm. on the Mac, you know, the screen yeah. flashes. Yeah. It... it I don't know. I, I What I've done is I've just kind of learned that there are some that I run on Mac and some that I run on the iPhone. And I, I, you know, it just, that's just the way it has to be. John was referencing Safari Actions earlier. That's, to me, one of the biggest offenders at this point. I mean, people mm, want yeah. to do stuff with the browser. I can make these things to work in, in Keyboard Maestro, but I can't make them work on, on shortcuts because, you know of i guess background issues right yeah it's gotten a little better i think that they're working on it it seems like because you know there are some there were some changes in 12.3 that that made all that a little bit better but it's still not nearly as extensive as it is on on ios or ipad os and that the lack of a share sheet really Mm. is a problem in my mind and i think it comes down to a matter of perspective because the thing about ios when it got its start was we didn't have a file system back in the day and sharing was a matter of sharing content right you're sharing text you're sharing photos you're sharing whatever it happens to be and so the the share sheet was critical to that platform on the mac it's always been a file-based system and you've always had access to the file system and so the share sheet while we've got one we've got a share button it's not under the hood the same thing as you have on ios and it's never been nearly as capable and so I think it just it just kind of fell by the wayside. And despite the fact that there are so many good triggers to kick off a shortcut on the Mac, that one missing has really uh, been painful for me because you know we just as people who write about things on the web, we're in Safari all the time using that share button, and it's it's really not you know you can't can't do it right now. Do you guys think that the the lack of the share sheet on the Mac is intentional or just we haven't got to it yet? I think it's a little of both. That's I mean, that's mm-hmm. kind of what I was saying in the sense I think it's intentional in the sense that the Mac has a different history. And as a yeah. result, the focus on that kind of sharing mechanism just isn't there and hasn't ever really been there. And so as a result, they haven't gotten to it because of that. You know what I mean? I also wonder if maybe maybe Apple is is looking at this from from a different perspective because like we're here asking for the same share sheet on the Mac and and mm-hmm. usually Apple likes to take a look at what people are asking and saying well you're asking for this but what you really want it's something else yeah um, it makes like I look at stuff like what they added in iOS 15 right with the 
get uh, receive what's on screen uh, as as a sign of how Apple may be looking at this. Like uh, they added this whole system, which is an action, but also an input type, which is whatever is is displayed on screen can become input for a shortcut. And it doesn't always work great, but you know at least they're trying. So whether you're looking at a Safari web page, the shortcut knows it's a link, and if you're looking at an image, the shortcut knows you want to share an image. That's the idea. So maybe mm-hmm. Apple is listening to this feedback, asking for the share sheet on the Mac, but maybe the wall, you know, were were they will do like they'll have a special twist on it, which is well, it's not a share sheet, but now you can trigger you can trigger all your shortcuts with input from Spotlight or something like that. So like mm. the idea that it's a, it's a Mac and it's different and it's primarily keyboard based, the share sheet makes more sense for an iPhone, but on the Mac, I could see like Spotlight become this like smart shortcuts activator of sorts, where yeah. depending on what you're doing. In, it lets you pass input to a shortcut in, a, in in different ways. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. I also think it would be interesting to see automations for shortcuts come to the Mac because we got the automations tab inside of the shortcuts app on iOS um, and iPad OS, but it's not there on the Mac. And I know that there are many ways that you can trigger shortcuts actions or shortcuts on the Mac from a number of different things. But I think for your less technical user, the idea of having to use something like Keyboard Maestro or an Apple script or something to trigger um, an, a shortcut to run automatically is a step too far where they're just not even going to try. You know, you try and tell somebody what a cron job is and they're just going to run away screaming from you. And <laughs> right. to, to be fair, I don't blame them. You know, setting up a cron job can be an exercise in frustration. And I, I do understand it's it's more difficult to do automation on the Mac because people get upset when their automations don't run when their when their Mac is asleep. But if their iPhone isn't running and, you know, can't unlock to run a, run a shortcut, then they, they think it's okay. But it would be nice to have some more options there um, for things like that too, which would increase probably user support and certainly increase my happiness level. Federico, what are some of the things you're doing on your Mac with shortcuts? Like just kind of get through the day automations, not, you know, not necessarily the stuff you're, you're sharing on the website, but just the stuff you're making to, to get your work done. Hmm. Um, well, by far, I think the, the, the shortcut that I use the most on my Mac is something that I built for my Obsidian setup. Um, I like to use this single note in Obsidian. It's called my my dashboard note, which is like a starting place for all the work that I do and all the things that are on my mind. Uh, this note is structured in a way that at the top, I see the things that I'm working on, like articles for the site or stuff for the newsletter. And at the bottom, there's literally this section called On My Mind, where I drop all kinds of thoughts and ideas that are not really fully formed yet. Like, for example, I have a note to try out two different apps. Like, those are not to-dos. Those are not reminders. They're not articles yet. They're just random things on my mind. And I have the shortcut that I can trigger with a hotkey uh, anywhere on my Mac, uh, super easy, that just brings up a a text field, like an ask for input field anywhere. 
and it lets me type text. And when I press enter, it it prepends that thought, that idea that I just saved um, at the beginning of this section. So it uses the uses the the finder actions, which on iOS and iPadOS would be the files actions. Yeah. And it modifies the dashboard note, which is a markdown file. Mm-hmm. And that's super easy. Um, I've also now, thanks to the bug fixes that Apple made, um, I have been playing around more with the multitasking actions. So for example, one shortcut that I built and that I'm going to share soon, I think, uh, is this shortcut to create my... my also, this is something that I really would love to have on iPadOS 16 as a system feature. But anyway, um, a shortcut that lets me create my favorite combinations of apps. Um, I like to you. I, I, sometimes I like to split the the MacBook's display in two to have one app on the left and the other on the right. Not in full screen. Like I'm not talking about full screen mode where you yeah. can do. Sp- proper split view in full screen. I don't like full screen on macOS and how it takes me to a separate space. Um, I'm just saying on the desktop, split the screen with one app filling the left half and the other filling the right half of the screen. And with the shortcut that I've built, I have defined a list of my favorites. So there's a literally a list at the beginning of the shortcut that says uh, Safari plus Messages or Safari plus Obsidian or Obsidian plus Discord, like all these different combos of apps that I find myself using in this kind of setup on a regular basis. And when I run the shortcut, I can choose the 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 com- the pair of these two apps that I want to use, and I select it and I press return. And the multitasking actions for macOS they arrange my desktop exactly like I want it. So, for example, Safari and you know on the left and Discord on the right. So this mm-hmm. is like this sort of like uh, presets, I guess, for multitasking. This sure. is something that I that I've started doing more and more on the Mac. And another that... Let me interrupt there. Yeah, so sorry. is that Because I think I've done the exact same thing. Is it, is it a choose from menu action and then just running the single... Or? It's a, it's a choose... Huh, it's a good question. It's actually a list and it chooses from a list. Okay. And the way that it does it is the shortcut tries to find an active window, um, assuming that the app that I chose is running. But Mm -hmm. as I was designing the shortcut, I realized, well, what happens if the app that I selected, I forgot to open it and it's not running? In that case, the shortcut was returning an error because it was saying, you're trying to place a window for this application on the right side, but this application is not actually open. You have to find the app first, yeah. Exactly. So for that uh, um, potential uh, problem, I added a shell script action that uses the OSA script command. So it's like a basically Apple script from the shell that activates the application first if it's not finding any window belonging to that application. Uh, it uses the shell to fall back and say, okay, this app is not running activate the app, wait two seconds, and then try again. Uh, so even the, even if the app is not running, uh, the shortcut takes care of opening the app for me, wait a couple of seconds, and try again to create the split view. And it works pretty nicely. Is there a particular reason why you're using the shell to t- call AppleScript for that rather than just using an AppleScript command directly? Because, yeah, also a very good question, because for whatever reason, uh, in 12.3... 
I couldn't put variables in the Apple script. Uh, I think yeah. it's because Apple wants to validate the code of the Apple script before mm -hmm. it runs. Uh, like you have the little hammer um, icon yeah. that sort of checks your code. And I guess that code cannot be dynamic. It cannot have variables. I guess they don't care with the shell because you can put variables <laughs> in the shell. And so the name of the app that I want to launch is a, is a text variable. And that's why I'm using script. Uh, with the shell instead of proper Apple script. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. So this is nice. And lastly, another one that um, John knows about this one. I <laughs> I was trying to use... Uh, so I don't know if you guys know, there's a, an, an incredible emulator for old Nintendo consoles called Dolphin Emulator. Mm -hmm. um, and it lets you play old GameCube and Nintendo Wii games. And Dolphin Emulator was actually updated with Apple Silicon... Um, compatibility and it's got this in, it's got amazing performance mm -hmm. so you can take like 20 year old games from the gamecube and you can play them in upscaled mode at 4k like obviously the gamecube was not Did even not a 720p <laughs> console it was a 480p console 20 years ago but you can play things like metroid or super mario sunshine at 4k on a macbook pro even a macbook air i guess uh in any case i um Usually, I play Dolphin on my gaming PC, mm -hmm. and I keep all of its configuration stuff in Dropbox. I also wanted to play Dolphin on my MacBook Pro, but I wanted to sync those, those configuration files, those preferences. And I realized, oh, I got to use uh, Symlinks. I got to create a symbolic link uh, from Dropbox to the application support folder that Dolphin uses on macOS. So I couldn't remember the proper command and it, to create symlinks in the terminal. And I realized, mm -hmm. you know what? I'm going to make a shortcut that creates symlinks for me so that I don't have to worry about remembering the syntax in the future. So I created this thing called symlink creator that it's actually, uh, it's, it's a nice combination of two worlds and that it combines the visual actions of shortcuts mm -hmm. with the with the shell script action. First, it lets you pick the folders that you want to sim link with one another using the native folder action, and then it uses the run shell script action uh, to get the path of those folders and create a sim link for you. So that was a. It all started because I wanted to play Metroid, and it ended up as a as a as a learning <laughs> as a lesson in automation for macOS and the shell so that was cool Fair enough. I'm still using the good old June Cloud, who are the makers behind uh, deliveries. They've got a toolbox uh, that you can download for macOS, including several services, one of which is creating symlinks. But I might look at creating my own version of that now, as uh, oh, nice. the, as you've inspired me to do so. Because why, right. <laughs> why not? Why not? Why not? Why not improve my setup? If you can do it with shortcuts, why not? Right. Exactly. I mean, if you exactly. can, exactly. go for it. Yeah, it's always a good exercise to make sure that you actually remember how to do these things. This episode of the Automators Podcast is brought to you by Text Expander from Smile. Go to textexpander.com slash automators to get 20% off. Text Expander is, for me, the original automation tool. With Text Expander, you can keep everything consistent and accurate. In our fast-paced world, things change constantly, and errors in messaging can have a significant consequence. So Text Expander lets you make approved messaging available to every team member instantly with just a few keystrokes, so your team stays consistent, current, and accurate. 
With Text Expander, you can get your message right every time. Expand content that corrects your spelling and keeps your language consistent with just a few keystrokes. So your team members always know the right message for the right person at the right time without relying on memory or copy and paste. I use Text Expander constantly. I use it to write emails. I use it to expand URLs. Anything that I don't want to try to remember or type more than once gets in Text Expander. I've literally got thousands of Text Expander snippets, and you'll be surprised to know that I trigger them pretty easily. With Text Expander, you just get them under your fingers and they show up. But if you have a lot of Text Expansion snippets, here's a power tip you can have it search your snippets for you. I use Control Option Command I, but you can set the shortcut key right in the application so you can search for the snippet if you haven't used it for a long time. I love that it's across my Mac and my iPad and my iPhone. I love the way it does fill-ins and all the other cool automation tricks you can do with it. But most of all, I love the way it saves me time. I even get a report from Text Expander every month telling me all the hours and days that I save using it. In making the show, I really believe anyone can automate. And Text Expander can be that very first step for a lot of people because it's the easiest way to automate text. And as listeners of The Automators, you get 20% off your first year. Just go to textexpander.com slash automators to learn more about Text Expander. Once again, that is textexpander.com slash automators. And our thanks to Text Expander for their support of The Automators and all of Relay FM. Now, Federico, we've been talking about shortcuts, but you're on the Mac and there's other automation platforms. And I know you're pretty familiar with Apple Script and Shell Scripting. And I don't know, are you doing any stuff with Keyboard Maestro? What are the non-shortcuts automation platforms you're using at this point on your Mac? Hmm. Um, I, th- I think the, the sort of the, the auxiliary tools that I'm using, I'm mostly copying, copying, copying from John. So I could, John has gonna, I think has a few more examples to share here, but John really introduced me to, to this uh, sort of cult <laughs> in a good way of better touch tool. And all, the <laughs> yeah. you can, all the things you can do with better touch tool. If you combine that with shortcuts. So that's also something that I've been doing um, in, especially in terms of sending um, uh, keystrokes to uh, to apps from a shortcut via the better touch tool action. And I'm actually surprised that Apple doesn't have a native version of this, uh, that you have to use the better touch tool action to simulate sending a keystroke to an app. But for example, I have a shortcut that in the music app for Mac, it lets me view the lyrics sidebar when I'm listening to a song and I want to check out the lyrics, lyrics on the Mac are a sidebar on the right side of the screen. And I wanted to have this quick way to toggle the lyrics sidebar from the keyboard. Mm-hmm. So I built this shortcut that uses a, the, the, the better touch tool, um, sends a keystroke, I think it's called action, to toggle back and forth between hiding the sidebar and showing the sidebar. But yeah, essentially... Uh, because I'm new to all this and John has been using macOS for far longer than I have, uh, whenever he comes up with something that involves either better touch tool or Raycast, uh, I steal everything that John shares. Yeah, all right, that's my approach. I want to talk to you about this, John, because to me, better touch uh-huh. tool is like the pot of gold in shortcuts. Like you install better touch tool, which is a great app to do a bunch of stuff, but then you look at its shortcuts actions and it's like, all of the stuff that fell off the back of the truck at Apple got added to better touch tool. I mean, not only can you trigger short uh, keyboards, you can also trigger menu items. I mean, I, 
when we had the Apple guys on Mac Power Users, I'd asked them, are you ever going to let us do that? And they they were very nice, but they kind of said no, you know. And uh, <laughs> and Better Touch was like, oh, no problem. We'll let you trigger anything in your menu bar with a shortcut. So what are you doing with Better Touch Tool, John? Oh, all, all sorts of things. I mean, it really is impressive because it came out of the gates when Monterey was released with an extensive list of actions that you can trigger that I've just not seen any other developer really accomplish. First of all, at a minimum, the shortcuts, even if you have a lot of shortcuts in your library, they load very quickly, which I have mm-hmm. not, that is not, not the case in a lot of other utilities that I've tried on the Mac that incorporate uh, shortcuts. So that's really a breath of fresh air. But I'm doing a lot of the things that, as Federico said, I'm doing um, triggering keyboard shortcuts. That's something that you just don't have. And it's, it's very explicitly not allowed because you can, if you try to do it with AppleScript, you'll get an error that says that you can't send keystrokes with AppleScript using um, shortcuts. So I always fall back with better touch tool on that because even sometimes when I'm trying to trigger a shortcut, you can obviously create your own keyboard shortcuts in the shortcuts app itself. However, I've found at least early early in the first releases of Monterey, the better touch tool implementation of that actually running the shortcuts was more reliable. Now that's mm-hmm. that's a closer race now. I mean, I think that that shortcuts has caught up there, but that's why I started relying on it so heavily so quickly because both it's uh, both the reliability and the extensive list of things that you can do. You know, you can even do things like have a, a menu pop up on screen that'll show you shortcuts that you have in your library and pick from them using that. I mean, there's another thing I did at one point was uh, Better Touch Tool will allow you to create a little HTML window. And so I used a bunch of uh, shortcuts actions to create myself a little weather forecast that would pop up each morning and when i arrived at my desk i'd have this window that would bring in information from the weather actions information from my natatmo uh, weather station that sits on the windowsill outside my house and a bunch of other things like that and that was all run through better touch tool because i could create this little quick html ui that would pop up and then i ran it on a schedule because scheduling is another a uh, feature of better touch tool which mm-hmm. which works really well too. Yeah. Yeah, better touch tool really is great because it goes both ways as you said, you know, it does it it gives you the option to run shortcuts and it makes your shortcuts much more powerful. So yep. uh it's 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 a little secret hack for everybody who's going, why can't I do this in shortcuts and hack? <laughs> something yeah, that I, something ahead, that I was going to know- say Federico, anytime that there's something that I feel like I can't do, the first place I look is better touch tool at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, something that I, that that I mentioned um, running shortcuts on the Mac with Raycast or Launchbar. There is actually one thing that I wish Raycast would copy from Launchbar, and that is um, when you're selecting a shortcut in Launchbar. I believe you can press uh, space or tab um, to enter some input for the shortcut from launch bar itself right. which is a super clever way to 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 do this which is you stay in the launcher itself so if you want to pass some text for example to the shortcut that i mentioned a few minutes ago to save ideas launch bar is actually perfect for this because you can type a few 
letters to find the shortcut. Then you press a key. You type the text you want to save. You enter, you, you know, you press return. The shortcut runs in the background, which is another benefit of, of Mac OS compared to iPad OS. And you're done. Instead, with Raycast, because it doesn't have that um, built-in method of passing text to the shortcut, you need to uh, do it yourself. So in my case, I'm using the ask for input action in the shortcut. But I very much prefer the launch bar approach here. That said, Raycast has another thing, two other things that I love for the shortcuts integration. One is you can mark certain shortcuts as favorites so that when you open Raycast, and in my case, it's a full-on spotlight replacement so that when I press command space, I see the Raycast window. And in the Raycast window, you have a favorites section. So you can pin your most frequently used shortcuts at the top of that section and you always see them. But it's also it also makes it very easy. This is my second the second thing that I like. It also makes it very easy to give a to give a hotkey to any shortcut. And for whatever reason, uh, these hotkeys that I set in Raycast uh, are more reliable than the native hotkeys in shortcuts itself. So I never use the Apple provided option for system-wide hotkeys. I use Raycast uh, because they trigger all the time without error whatsoever. Yeah, I, I've talked to Raycast about that, doing the input thing, Federico, and I, I, oh, I'm, have, my fingers, thank you. I have <laughs> my fingers are crossed that they're going to allow it because they have something similar, which is you can set up a website query where you type in a yes. keyboard, you know, yes. a keyboard combination, and then you type in your search terms, hit return, and then it does the search on Mac Stories or Google or wherever you happen to be. And I, I think they should be able to do something like that for shortcuts as a result. I was going to say, Alfred does offer the ability to do things like that, to pass specific text or files and so on right. straight to a shortcut. So that, that would seem like something that Raycast would want to add, if only from the competition perspective of, you know, one of the alternatives to us does this. And of course, both of them have different features, which makes them both great. Are we all agreed? Is everybody here triggering shortcuts with some form of launcher other than shortcuts? Because I think I think all four of us yeah. are doing that. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, Stream Deck too, but less so in the sense that I, I, at least with a launcher, that's always available. And if I'm not at my desk, then I can do it that way with the, yeah. uh, with the launcher, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I also agree with Federico. I, I think that the built-in keyboard combination launching mechanism isn't entirely consistent, which is a, a point of frustration for me for the reasons I was saying earlier. I mean, we're trying to convince people to do this stuff and use the system, and sometimes the system doesn't work, and, and that's what I really yeah. think they need to be focused on now. Sometimes when you're building a shortcut, the keyboard combination you've assigned just disappears, I've noticed, yeah. and you have mm -hmm. to type it back in. That happens to me once in a while. Oh, yeah, 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 and... Uh... I, that happens to me a lot on iOS. I'll select a variable and I'll put it into um, like one of the placeholders and then I'll select a property of it and then I'll I'll tap the, the return or whatever it is to close the keyboard and then the variable just boom, vanishes <laughs> yeah. into nowhere. It's like, wait, what, what just happened here? Well, I mean, just, you know, the, the whole, the decision to use Swift UI to make this very complex system uh, in in some respects, I admire it. In other respects, I begrudge it because I feel like that's the reason. I feel like that has some impact on why it's been a difficult year for shortcuts on the Mac. 
Almost certainly. I've heard from many developers that they've they've struggled with Swift UI in various places. And for a lot of applications, it works incredibly well. But I think especially on macOS, it is a struggle to implement things um, with Swift UI. Um, and I know I've seen some exciting undocumented features, let's call them, in various applications on iOS as developers have been uh, doing things. Uh, dancing boxes was one of my favorites. You would swipe up and down a list and uh, the, the boxes would just rearrange themselves. And the developers weren't doing that. No, that was just Swift UI adding a little Easter egg. <laughs> wow. We talked earlier about a shortcuts wish list, um, you know, as WWDC approaches. Um you guys were focused largely on the Mac. What about on the iOS side? Is there stuff you'd like to see other than what we've already talked about? Mm. Uh, I have this this very uh, specific thing about um, allow people to design m- more types of UI in shortcuts on iOS and iPadOS, meaning go beyond the basic choose from list and choose from menu uh, and ask for input. Those are really the main three interaction yeah. methods that you have. Uh, for one, let me create better lists. Uh, I want to be. I want to be able to create lists that have thumbnails or uh, subtitles or check boxes. You know, I want to be able to control the the UI design aspect of shortcuts more. Um, apps like Pythonista and Editorial. Uh, did this right years ago. Uh, there was a whole uh, UI building block in, in Python Eastern Editorial in 2013, well before the days of workflow even. And I would love to see Apple do more along these lines. So more UI um, building features for, for power users, for people who want to have like these sort of mini apps in shortcuts, if you will. Um, I also want to have more flexibility in the widgets. Um, I still believe that the shortcuts widget could use a lot more density um, in the space where, you know, in the medium widget, in the rectangular widget where you can place four shortcuts, I would be comfortable with eight shortcuts. Like I would double the number of shortcuts that you can see in the widgets. And I would also add an Excel size widget on iPad, which is for whatever reason absent. Um, I mentioned third-party app triggers. I would love to get those and system-wide hotkeys on iPad. But in terms of uh, the power user stuff, you never have enough debugging actions, right? You never have enough uh, controls for designing shortcuts. So things like, uh, let me pause a shortcut at a specific action and debug what's going on in the editor. Again, editorial had this uh, 10 years ago. Let me color code some of my actions. Let me... um, copy and paste entire blocks of actions. Right now, if you copy a conditional block or a repeat block, Mm -hmm. it just copies the main action. It doesn't copy the action. It's so annoying. Every single time I'm so optimistic it's going to work and then I've tapped paste and I'm just disappointed. Exactly. So all those kind of things. And I would also add what we mentioned toward the beginning of this episode, um, to have more feature parity, especially between the iPad and the Mac, right? So the multitasking stuff should work on iPad. I should be able to find windows. I should be able to 
I don't want to say resize, right? Because we, we don't really have window resizing on iPad, although there's an argument to be made as to whether we should. But anyway, at the very least, let me find windows by name, uh, add support for multi-window. Right now in Shortcuts, all you can do on iPad is split screen between two apps. But if one of those two apps has multiple windows open, Shortcuts doesn't care. It just picks up the most recently used one. Yeah. It doesn't let you pick a specific window. So more parity there would be would be excellent. I'd never thought about the user interface stuff, but man, I, you are so right. It, wouldn't people love Shortcuts more if they could make their own UI? What about you, John? Yeah, I've got a couple. I guess, you know, I would building on what what Federico said, I would actually like to see more cross-platform integration that actually lets you coordinate shortcuts across multiple devices, both on the iPad and the Mac, for instance, so that I could start a shortcut that does something on my iPad, but calls out to my Mac, runs something there and gets an imp, gets an output back, and then I can continue to use it on my iPad. That would be that would be really fantastic. Um, and the, of course the debugging tools are a big part of this too. I mean, I think we've seen with the popularity of, for instance, Alex Hayes app logger, that there is definitely a need for a logging tool as well as some of the other things that, that, uh, Federico mentioned as well. But the thing I would like in terms of actually editing shortcuts is in the editor on iOS and the Mac, I'd like to be able to copy and drag around blocks of actions whether they're related to each other or not as a result of a conditional or a or a repeat block or something i just like to select multiple actions and duplicate them over to another shortcut if i've got them open in split view on the ipad and and as part of that it would be really nice to be able to create reusable snippets reusable blocks of actions that you could store somewhere in shortcuts and then drop them in as units into your into your shortcuts because there's a lot of reusable code that we do all the time and you can set up in split view two shortcuts and kind of move things across and do it that way but having an actual library of snippets which is something that very much exists for people who are you know doing programming in xcode and that sort of thing would be fantastic and make the process for power users a lot easier yeah i mean Using Keyboard Maestro, you can do a lot of that stuff, and it really feels crippling when you get over to Shortcuts for Mac and you can't. But I want to talk right. about the the debugging stuff because I feel like that is a tough needle to thread for Apple because I, I agree with everything you said. I think we need better debugging tools, especially for advanced users, but I also think we need better debugging for simple users or for people who are getting started because when you run a shortcut and just nothing happens, that that does that's a problem. You're not giving feedback to people who are trying to learn how to use your automation platform. And I, it's like you got to come up with a debugging system. And and honestly, anything is better than what they have now, which is kind of nothing. Uh, but I feel like it's got to be able to address uh, people making two step shortcuts as well as two hundred step shortcuts. And you know, maybe it's kind of like you know, the, the mouse support on the iPad, how they had to rethink it for that. I think you have to do the same thing for shortcuts, but boy, I hope that is high on their list. Yeah, it would be really nice. I mean, things like breakpoints and, you know, the ability to pause in the middle of a, a shortcut running and see what the state of everything is at a particular point of time. Those are, you know, those are just table stakes for 
you you know IDEs, but we've got none of that on shortcuts, which just means you're left with throwing up alerts or doing show results or you know maybe printing out some text or something. There aren't a whole lot of ways to do it at the moment. No, there aren't. The other thing that I feel is kind of missing is a way to find all of your shortcuts that are using actions from a specific application. Because uh, that, yeah. something that people always ask me is like, so how many of your shortcuts are using Toolbox Pro? And that's not something I can answer using shortcuts. I mean, not directly. You can break it down and try and parse through things and do plists and stuff. But it's suddenly incredibly complicated to do that. And you know, fortunately, they uh, Apple have finally given us the ability or given developers the ability to share shortcuts actions across application versions, because that was a thing where, you know, you would have, for example, different uh, shortcuts actions for things on iPad OS versus iPhone. So you had to do if it's the iPhone, do this. And if it's the <laughs> right. iPhone, iPad, do that or just install the iPhone version on the iPad, which was pretty terrible for for those people who had to do that. Um, but you know, it, it, it would be really nice to figure out which ones this is. And I feel this ties back into my previous request of, please don't give me unknown action. I don't know what this action is or anything about it. Thank you very much. Have a nice day um, anymore, because that right. is just so frustrating. Like I opened a shortcut just now um, and uh, it's one I created on my Mac. It's a Mac OS only shortcut uh, application. Uh, it can't work on uh, iPad OS um, or iPhone OS. And it just said unknown action. It's like, oh, cool. I actually know exactly what this action is, but you're giving me no help whatsoever here. This episode of Automators is brought to you by Hunter Douglas. We all want to live well, at ease, in comfort and style. Hunter Douglas can help you do just that with their innovative window shade designs, gorgeous fabrics and control systems so advanced they can be scheduled to automatically adjust to their optimal position throughout the day. Hunter Douglas's shades diffuse harsh sunlight, instead casting a beautiful glow across the room. With their adaptability, you can enjoy the view outside a window without needing to give up your privacy, and you can bring this all together with Hunter Douglas's PowerView technology. This ensures all your shades will automatically reposition for the perfect balance of light, privacy, and insulation morning, noon, and night. I have to say, I love window shades that just open and close. There's no more thinking about, wait a second, did, did I open the shades in the office today? Are the plants on the windowsill getting enough light there? It just happens. And quite frankly, that's something that all of us would quite like. And there's nothing that makes a home that's temporarily unoccupied look less lived in than the curtains staying open or closed all the time, and especially those blinds. I think that's why you might like Hunter Douglas. Hunter Douglas shades are compatible with all your favourite home automation systems. Amazon Alexa, Apple HomeKit, Google Assistant, If This and That, and more. I know listeners of this show would really love to be able to automate this stuff themselves too, helping them integrate their shades with the products in their home that they already have that they can automate. And you can get that control with Hunter Douglas. So you can live beautifully with Hunter Douglas, enjoying greater convenience, enhanced style, and increased comfort in your home throughout the day. Visit hunterdouglas.com slash automators today for your free style get smarter design guide with fresh takes, creative ideas, and smart solutions for dressing your windows. That's hunterdouglas.com slash automators for your free design guide. Our thanks to Hunter Douglas for their support of this show and Relay FM. So, guys, getting back to the the reason for today's show, Automation April, um, for folks out there that want to participate, what should they do? Well, John, you want to go? You're, John is very good with the instructions here. So. <laughs> I I wrote the rules as the former lawyer yes. of the, of Mac Stories. I got to create the rules, but. 
I'm not going to get into all the weeds on the rules, but what you need to do is go to shortcuts.maxstories.net and you can submit up to two shortcuts to get started. If you're already a Club Max Stories member, you just log in with your club credentials. If you're not, no problem either. You just sign up for a free account. We do that so that we can kind of keep track of who is submitting these so that if you win a prize, we can contact you by email. It's just your name and your email address. So once you do that, you look over the rules, accept them, and submit a shortcut. And we're, we're asking people for the name of the shortcut, an iCloud link, a list of any third-party apps that are used, you know, apps or scripts or whatever it happens to be so that we can know what those are. And then a short description of 500 words or less as to what your shortcut does and why it's unique and why we should consider it. And then our judges will start taking a look at them. It's a, it's a special web app that we had that was made by our own Alex Guillot specifically for this competition. And it's super easy to fill all these pieces out. And it's the submissions are open until April 20th. And once you submit your one or two shortcuts, you can always go back and amend and change them if you want up until the 20th when we close submissions and that at that point, everything's locked down and we start making our final decisions. Yeah. And in addition, I would say if you don't want to join the contest, you guys are just pumping out some great automation content every day over there at Mac Stories. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And we, we set up a special Twitter account for this too called Automation April, where Federico and I are sharing some tips, just kind of bite size pieces of, of advice on shortcuts, as well as it's a place where you can see what's going on everywhere. You'll see, you know, when a new story is published on Mac stories, you'll see when we do something on app stories or club Mac stories, all those places will be kind of brought into one with that, with that Twitter account. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, Federico, what else do you, do you want to mention the prizes? We've got some really good prizes for oh, people. Oh yeah, I guess we, we forgot to mention that. So there's going to be there's going to be uh, multiple categories for the shortcuts contest. Uh but really everybody will want to win the, the 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 most important one, which is the best overall shortcut. Right. And for the best overall shortcut First of all, we're giving away three years of Club Premiere. That's the all-access pass for Club Max Stories. We're going to uh, feature the winner of the Best Overall Shortcut in the Hall of Fame uh, mini-site that we will create in the future. We will give them a special Discord role, but we're also giving away an Elgato Stream, Stream Deck XL and an analog pocket console. That's the that's the the modern Game Boy that the folks at Analog have released a few months ago that is super rare to find and we just so happen to be giving one away. So you're if you win best overall shortcut, you're gonna get a bunch of stuff, really. And, <laughs> right. Nice. And uh yeah, the Stream Deck is especially awesome with shortcuts. So the idea was we're gonna give you something for shortcuts and we're gonna give you something to relax and enjoy your winning you know the contest so <laughs> yeah and I, I guess we should mention too of course we have a wonderful panel of judges we've got the three of us at max stories federico mm-hmm. me and alex Gio, but we also have david and rose mm-hmm. as well as alex cox matthew Cassinelli, christopher lawley jason snell and simon stovering the maker of data jar so we've got we've got a whole we've got a team of 10 people who are going to be looking at all these shortcuts very shortly yeah, and there's multiple categories as well, isn't there? So that it's not just you know that there's 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 one category for all the shortcuts that's, and shortcuts land together. That's right. 
Yeah, we've got HomeKit and uh, Productivity, Media, and Mac-specific shortcut. So best in all those categories as well as for a total of five. Getting back to the idea that anybody can automate, uh, Federico, you are now legendary for your prowess with shortcuts, but you had to start somewhere. Where was the first thing you ever automated on one of your computers or devices? Man, um, probably Launch Center Pro. I think uh, back in the days of of URL schemes, it was probably some. Well, no, no, it was Apple Script uh, before uh. before I was an an uh, primarily iPhone and iPad user. Uh, I realized I don't know. I've always been into like uh, customizing things and modifying things to mm-hmm. to make them more personalized and better for me. I've always been a, a, a tinkerer with with computers, and I don't know how exactly, but it must have been, it must have been one of Brett Terpstra's old Apple scripts or like Markdown things, yeah. or something from uh, from Doug's um, iTunes Apple scripts oh, yeah. uh, back in the day. Yeah, and, and I and I think I started tinkering there on my Mac. Uh, so I'm, uh, we're talking two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine. And later, my interest in automation really picked up, though, with Launch Center Pro drafts and really with Pythonista and editorials. So that would be 2012 and 2013 when editorial came out. And I I really never stopped. So starting with Pythonista in 2012, editorial in 2013, and then workflow in 2014, I, that's when it really started for me, this kind of modern automation and then with workflow and later shortcuts. And here we are today. How about you, John? Where did you get started with automation? Uh, it really kicked in for me around 2013 when I got into iOS development and I did a little bit of development development myself that was centered around things like URL schemes and affiliate linking and that sort of thing. And I had an app for a while that did that. And it it got me. It, it's interesting because I think one of the, one of the harder things to do is to get into shortcuts from a start as doing of doing development work because mm-hmm. it's just such a different mindset in shortcuts. Whereas in you know when you're doing development work, you 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 have this sense everything has to be precisely defined. Whereas shortcuts does so much for you that if you have a background in development it's very hard to get started and so that was actually a bit of a a bit of a speed bump for me getting into shortcuts initially but so i i you know cut my teeth i guess in xcode and then once i started working at mac stories in 2015 and of course you know it's very hard to be in the same room as federico and not uh, pick up a few tips on workflow and and shortcuts along the way so i've i've had a good teacher and uh, <laughs> have just been kind of going from there ever since uh, i joined mac stories all right so uh, automation april you guys are now a few days into it by the time the show publishes you'll be uh, almost a week into it uh, how's it going you making it? You're okay. Yeah, yeah, yes. we're doing all right. Yes. It, it's been fantastic. I we've been really happy about the response. It's nice to see everybody getting involved and helping each other online. We've seen a lot of that in our Discord community, and it's a lot of work, but it's also very satisfying work. So we'll we'll probably be pretty spent and tired by the end of April, but uh, it's been well worth it so far. 
at least you've got May to recover before WWDC. Yes. True, true. Uh, but but it's really incredible to see uh, one of the features that we have, uh, thanks to our developer, Alex, uh, whenever someone uh, submits a shortcut for the contest, and if they also happen to be members of the Discord, uh, we have the Mac Stories uh, Discord bot that automatically gives them a special role in Discord. And this special role is shown as a little indicator next to your profile picture with the logo of Automation April. And, and it's been really fun to see over the past few days those uh, special badges pop up in more places on right. Discord, which means that people are progressively submitting the shortcuts. And as they do that, they also that's one of the things that I really love about the shortcuts community in general. It's a competition, sure, but it's a healthy competition. And there's always that, that aspect of folks helping each other, right? And we see these people who are technically competing for the same prize in the same contest, but at the same time, they're also exchanging tips with one another and helping each other with like, hey, maybe you can do this better in this shortcut, or maybe you can use this, you know, this uh, this variable in this different way. And that's so, you know, there are many terrible things in the world, but in this very small and very specific niche on the, of the internet, uh, it's nice to see people who don't know each other in real life, you know, they're total, mm-hmm. complete, random strangers, uh, come together for one very specific goal, and it's, it's, it's just cool to see, honestly. It really is. I mean, we've got, we're just so lucky with our community that the people that are interested in this stuff, just in general, are really great people. You know, and yeah, uh, they really are. And uh, I, I, for one, can't wait to see what the community generates with this stuff. Um, I, uh, my hats off to you for for putting all this together. Uh, can we just go ahead and book you, you next year? Are we going to have you back for Automation <laughs> April next year? Is it too early for me to say that? Okay, no, that's fine. <laughs> I think it's totally fine. I mean, I mean, we we want to do it annually, so yeah, we I mean, do. Yeah, absolutely. Good. Good. Perfect. Yeah. I, the more yes. people out there that, that figure out this stuff, the better we all are. And, and honestly, you know, we talked a lot today about things we'd like to see Apple change. But you know what will get Apple to put more bodies on this problem? It's more people creating shortcuts and more people talking about it and sharing it. And, you know, it, it's the reason Automator died on the vine. I mean, there's a lot of reasons, I'm sure. But one of them was it's never got the traction it needed. And uh, so... Anything we can all do to help everybody start using shortcuts means, you know, the better shortcuts gets for all of us. And and the more people who want to automate things, the more automation possibilities there will be for everybody as yeah. well. Yep. Well, you, uh, yeah. And the more people automate, the more people are going to listen to automators. So yeah, that's, well, that's, that's a good thing. Also, more people listen to app stories as well, I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah. that's the goal. Like, we, you know, more people discovering this stuff means we, we have a bigger audience, which means we get more ideas, which means we make more shortcuts. And it's this virtual cycle of, of people automating and, and sharing ideas and us making more shortcuts and talking about it. We're lucky. Honestly, we're all lucky. That we, we can do this for a living. So oh, yeah. yay, Agreed. automation. Yes. All right. Final question before we let you you two go, because I know you've both got a deadline. How many shortcuts are in your shortcuts library? Let's see. This is a good okay. question because I just okay. trimmed them recently. All right. It's not too bad. It's not too bad. It's not too bad. 218. Okay. 
Wow, Federico, I, I got you. I am surprised. That is a much yeah. lower number. You are very good at clearing out your shortcuts, Federico. Well, to be fair, I also delete the ones that I put on the Mac Story Shortcuts Archive. Right. So in theory, there's like 260-something other shortcuts to consider. But yeah, I try to keep a clean library. Yes. Fair enough. John? I have 379 right now. <laughs> there Federico. you go. But, <laughs> there we go. I'm also notorious for having too many uh, apps on my phone, too, which Federico likes to tease me about. So yeah, I guess it's a, not surprising. You're a digital hoarder, so it <laughs> yes, m- makes know. perfect sense. All right. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm just going to hide my 1,152 shortcuts under wow. a rug. Oh, oh, my gosh. Oh, okay. my wow. gosh. <laughs> okay. Okay. Wow. I, I don't delete shortcuts, really. I mean, I do. I'll delete the ones that are called, like, shortcut one or untitled shortcut or whatever right. they are. But, like... M- other than that, I tend to just keep it around and, you know, it might get used again. It might not. It doesn't take up any space. <laughs> yeah, it is rough. I, I'm at 610, but a lot of mine are for field guides where they're ones that, like, I've got the shortcuts from Field Guides 144, which are not ones I actually use. They're mm-hmm. ones I made to demonstrate functions. But the, um, the I, you know, we all have too many. And uh, I guess <laughs> too many I think we're all kind enough. of like in the fringe area. I would guess that most people have like five or ten, you know. So, <laughs> but the, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, although I would bet some people in your contest are are up there with us with a lot of shortcuts. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Either way, I am so happy you guys are doing this, and I hope everybody checks it out. I didn't mention earlier, but App Stories is the podcast made by by John and Federico together, and I feel like the Venn diagram of people who would like the automators and App Stories it looks like a circle. Um, if you're listening to this show, you should go check out App Stories. I think you would probably <laughs> dig it. Um, I will note that at the 33 minute mark, uh, uh, Federico used the word obsidian, and I did not take the bait, but. That doesn't mean I. I it's okay. I'm saving that. it for the after show, David. We're, we're good. I noticed that. I uh, I am so ready to talk to you about Obsidian, but I think I need like four hours because I have a lot of thoughts. And uh, but either way, um, so uh, thanks so much for coming on, guys, and thanks for doing this. Uh, Rose and I have a, a little bit more after this ad break, but we're going to let John and Federico go and get all that content out for Automation April. Everybody, go check it out and uh, and check out App Stories too. Thanks for having us. Thank you, guys. This episode of The Automators is brought to you by Doppler. Go to Doppler slash L slash automators and sync environment variables at scale. In software development, secrets are private pieces of information that act as keys to unlock protected resources or sensitive information. So you can imagine the stressful days of configuring, managing, and sharing secrets across different teams and clouds. Well, those days are over because with Doppler, you've got the first universal secrets platform. It enables developers to automate the pain away of managing secrets and ENV files, which are the type of hidden file used when working with secrets. Doppler is your team's central source of truth for secrets and app configuration across all environments and clouds. Whether your secrets are in Docker, AWS, Vercel, or anywhere else, Doppler works where you work. And as your stack evolves, Doppler remains simple. More than 11,000 customers across all company sizes, from startups to enterprises, use Doppler. So they can keep their secrets and app configuration in sync across devices, environments, and team members. Say goodbye to .env files. Set up Doppler for your team in less than four minutes. Sign up via doppler.com slash L slash automators. 
Now, that's two P's in Doppler, and that's all lowercase. So once again, that's Doppler, D-O-P-P-L-E-R.com, slash L, slash automators. And again, that's all lowercase. So go there now and check it out. And our thanks to Doppler for their support of the automators and all of Relay FM. So, David, you, you mentioned before we let uh, John and Federica run away that uh, you, you heard the magic word obsidian. You didn't dive in, but I'm not going to let you off that easily because I know that your obsidian setup is being tweaked and played with, you know, a, a, well, it's always being evolved because that's what our systems are. But what have you been automating there recently? I, I'm actually um, looking right now because I built all of my obsidian automations in Keyboard Maestro initially. And mm-hmm. I find it really easy because I use, um, you know, I, you know, the contextual computing thing that I like to do where if I hit option control command M, it opens up a quick conflict palette in keyboard maestro that has like everything in my life related to Max Barkey, you know, M. And if I type L for, for labs, then there's a bunch of, um, uh, keyboard maestro actions or scripts what do they call it in Keyboard Maestro? I guess, are they scripts or are they automation? Macros. Macros, okay. It's a Keyboard Maestro macro. Keyboard Maestro macros. I always forget that. But anyway, so I've got them, like, if I want to create a new early access, you know, content for the early access subscribers, I, I, I can hit the magic M, then L, then E, and then it just opens up a, a field where I can fill things in, and I have checkboxes and all kinds of cool things going on, and then it creates a note mm-hmm. for me in um, obsidian. So I have been doing that historically, but you know, because now we can save to anywhere on the directory with shortcuts, I've been toying with the idea of moving that stuff into shortcuts. Um, I do have some inconsistencies though, in accessing the local area of the drive when I run that shortcut, like on an iPhone versus a Mac. Yeah. Yeah, that is difficult. One of the things that I have tried to do there, I've, I've tried a couple of different things. Obviously, on the Mac, it's easier because you can use the the tilde, that's the horizontal squiggly line, yeah. um, to access um, folders in your users folder. So even if um, you end up with uh, you know different um, different usernames, for example, uh, so technically the entire folder path would be different then you can you can just still access it. But what I've ended up doing on iOS is I've got an if action um, or I've got a series of if actions. It's not fun. Um, and it, it says, hey, if this device is iPad mini, then do this. If it's iPad Pro, do that. If it's my iPhone, do the other thing. Um, and it gives me the different folders, which is not fun. I don't love it, but it also works. So... Um, I'm okay with it, um, but it's it's tricky. Yeah, the, the way I've solved it is I'm just generally running, still running them from Keyboard Maestro on my Mac, and then when I'm on, I generally run them with shortcuts on my iPhone, and they, they all work there. And yeah, it just takes a minute. Uh, another thing I'm doing in Obsidian is uh, data view filters. You know, you can filter on different methods, and like one of the things I do uh, keep. Um, Federico had talked about how he has like a single page where he kind of does everything. I've consolidated that all into my Sparky OS page. And I've got a group of uh, data view filters, which are related to active Mac Sparky projects. And historically I was running a data view filter that would look for something that had the tag, you know, Mac Sparky 
you know, webinar and active. And it, and I've got a, a, a heading there that says active webinars. And it'll look for those three tags and give me any note that has that in it. And then when I finish it, I could just change the tag to shipped and then it would disappear from the list. Um, I did an experiment over the weekend where I moved a couple of those into a folder-based system. And that's uh-huh. particularly useful for blog posts because I've got at any one time you know, five to 10 blog posts I'm actively writing and five to 10 that I'm kind of cooking on and I'm always moving them. And, and I I find it kind of useful to put them in folders called active and cooking. And so rather than use a tag based system where I've got to go in and manually change the tags. Yeah. I just have you can it, move it to a folder. Yeah. I, and then with data view, you can have it say, show all items in this specific folder and then organize them by the last time you worked on them. And, and I, you can put in a list or you can put in a table. I'm putting that one in a table. And so then it just discloses what, what's in my active folder, what's in my cooking folder. And it puts on that right on the Sparky OS page. And then I can just click into any one that I want to see. And that experiment has been working pretty well. I, I think I may expand the folder based kind of system over the tag based system and some of the other kind of project areas of my life. Yeah, yeah, no, I've primarily ended up sticking to folders for things like that as well. For example, my blog posts are in uh, a folder and yes, there are lots of ideas which very slowly drip out onto my blog, um, but it 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 works very well for me. Tags, I, f- I tend to end up wanting, so for me, a tag ends up being static, whereas a folder can be dynamic. And it sounds a bit weird, but it means it's easy to move things between different folders. Um, and I don't have to try and change the tags on different things, which I know there are some Obsidian plugins which can make this easier. Um, there's uh, one meta view, I think it's called, um, for uh, updating your metadata, um, meta table, um, meta edit, sorry, that's the one, meta edit is the the one I'm thinking of where you can um, change properties of things directly from like say a Kanban view. Um, but I find it's a bit difficult because I still want the list to be dynamically created of just things in the folder. I don't want to add something to the folder and then it not to appear in a, a list somewhere. So I've, I've stuck with a lot of those as well. Um, one thing I'm curious about, David, have, have you played with the calendar option in data view at all? Is that something you've, you've worked with? Uh, slightly. I want to, I want to hear what you're doing with it, but before we move on, um, mm-hmm. I just wanted to add another piece of this puzzle for me is I have oh, yeah. attached the keyboard shortcut uh, control F or command F. I'm sorry. No, control F. You know, it's under your fingers, but you have to like put your hand on the keyboard to do it. And um, and so I can move a note to a different folder very quickly. And what I the reason why the folder thing works is because I can be in a note and say, OK, this is done. And I can just type blog A and it goes to the blog archive folder or blog C and it goes to the blog cooking folder. So I just found it was faster to move them with a keyboard shortcut than to go in and try and reset a tag. But yeah. All right. So tell me about calendars and data view. Well, it's one of those things where I love the idea of the calendar query. So, uh, you know, for people who who are thinking, wait, data view does calendars. Uh, So it does lists, tables. It can do like a a list. uh, It can do tasks. Um, But it also has the option to do a calendar. Um, where you can do a calendar and you can do it by, for example, the modified time of a file. Um, and then from the, the the from part of the query, it's the same as you would do anywhere else, where you can say from a folder or from anything with this tag and so on. Um, but 
I it's one of those things. I love the idea, but what I struggle with at the moment, and I was actually kind of hoping you might have a solution for this, David, is um the time or the date is not necessarily actually from when I created the file or when I modified the file. Instead, it might actually be a date in the metadata in the file, like in the YAML header, which I use. Um, and I've not yet found a way to do that. And I was hoping that you might have found a way because, you know, you've often found sneaky little ways to solve problems like that. Yeah, I haven't needed that. So I have never mm. played with it. What's the context that you're using it in? Well, for me, I was actually trying to use it uh, to plan out some stuff at work where um, I'd written down, you know, a bunch of the the upcoming deadlines for various different things. And uh, there were there were notes for each thing that had a deadline or for each deadline. And I just wanted to pull all of those in. So what I've ended up doing is um, I, 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 I'm not now remembering how I did this correctly. And of course, this is on my my work machine, so I can't pull up the files here to check. But I put the the deadline date into the file name, which I was then able to parse out um, because you can get the date from the file name, but I wasn't able to get it out of the metadata. Maybe one of our listeners has a solution to this problem for me. Uh, if you do, please feel free to post in the thread for this uh, episode or or uh, email me. Um, but um, yeah, I, I quite like it. I was also looking at doing a sort of content calendar with it um, for a few different things that I've got coming up where it's like, I just want nice big overviews of things, but each each event is basically something where I need a note. And I thought that it might be something that you were doing with your Max Parky Labs, because I know that there's a lot of planning and everything involved in that too. Yeah. So what I do, my content calendar is in my calendar. And um, I, I'm going to cover this in that webinar, but the uh, I have made planning calendars for every like major area of Max Barkey. Like there's a planning calendar for podcasts, there's a planning order for the labs and for the field guides. And so I make day long events for planned days on particular items of publication or content. And then using Fantastical, they have this amazing new quarter view. I can just set up a view that just shows me the con the the planning calendars in the quarter view and since there's no hourly events in it it all just shows up as day-long events and then there are links in there to in the event there's a link to omnifocus if if applicable there's always a link to an obsidian project page and so everything mm -hmm. ties together that way so I, i've just put it into my calendar is how i yeah I, I mean that that's how i've been doing a lot of things it's just when i realized that you could also create a calendar with data view i was like oh oh, is this solving the problem that I have? Yeah. Um, and it, it's almost there. It's so close to almost there. And so I think I just need to uh, maybe do a little bit of searching on the Obsidian forums. I've, I've yet to spend real time doing that. I've just tried a few of what seemed to me like the obvious things. Of course, I'm looking at this from the perspective as a developer who writes PHP and JavaScript every single day. So it may not be actually what the logical thing is for an Obsidian user. Um, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm very much enjoying how extensible, um, the data view plugin is and also just, uh, the templater plugin as well, because I know you use a lot of templates, but I realized, uh, the templater plugin, and there's also another plugin called custom JS will let you just run JavaScript on things, which means that I can take something out of a file and use that to rename the file if I wanted to, um, which has been very helpful for renaming, um, certain uh files like for example my blog post for me because i create my blog post from a template um but it just gives it like a, a a placeholder name but then once i've added the title and everything into the into the metadata then i can run 
my it's it's custom JavaScript, but I could do the same thing with Templator to rename that file to the correct name, which has everything in it as it as it needs to for Jekyll, which is really nice, and I really like that. Yeah, I mean, my work is kind of wrapping up on the shortcuts for Mac field guide now. There's still post production happening, but I'm not doing as much of that, and I'm starting the the Obsidian field guide. I can't wait. This this app is so fun. Have you gone down the rabbit hole of task management in Obsidian much? So I have and I haven't. So I have certain projects which repeat on a regular basis. So for example, releasing automators. Um, And so I've put some of those lists into um, Obsidian for various things, but I found that it doesn't necessarily work very well for me in in the sense that unless there is other data that I need to collect and write as part of um, my um, my plan for whatever it is that I'm doing, it doesn't make sense for me to have my tasks in there. Um, the exception to this is a, my projects, where I have like a, I've got a note for most projects, um, and that that is in there, and that may contain ideas for tasks. But once I've decided I'm actually going to go actively do the thing, I it doesn't live in Obsidian anymore. I put it in OmniFocus just because that means that I've only got one place to check. And for me, the automation and indeed life fails when not everything is in one place. Um, It gets too complicated to keep track of where everything is, which is just frustrating. I agree totally. I have the same thing. I've been playing with the idea, like with podcasts, I have a checklist for every podcast that goes out. And I've built that now into the Obsidian template. So it just gets added to each show. And honestly, this is stuff almost kind of it's just not almost not worthy of OmniFocus, if that makes sense to you. Um, yeah. And I'm in the note for the show as we record it, and I'm uh, record the ads and do all that. So I'm I put that all there, but and and I did some experimentation. I'm in the midst of I'm going to be uh, doing some stuff in the Max Parking Labs further with it. But there is a really great like tasks plugin for Obsidian, and yeah. I think a lot of people can make it work, but. I still kind of believe that there's nothing wrong with having like a best in class app for the stuff you do. Like yeah. I like fantastic help because I feel like it's the best calendar app and I like OmniFocus. I think it's the best task app. And, you know, just because you can do everything in a tool like obsidian, Rome craft, whatever, you know, doesn't necessarily mean you need to turn it into everything. Yeah. I think the other element of this, and this is a, a, a mental thing as opposed to, you know, a a, a, pro- a productivity specifically or um, automation thing, is having everything in one app, it kind of ends up making you go, I don't want to open that app because everything is in there. Yeah. Like your entire calendar is in there. All of your tasks are in there. And all you wanted to do was jot down a quick note. Um, and I find that, you know, if I will end up avoiding apps if it, it feels like they've got like trolls in the shadows waiting to yeah. grab me um yeah. and so i like by splitting things up a bit then i can see omnifocus you know there's 10 things there but honestly those are things that i actually did before the show today uh before recording that i just didn't mark off because i was in a rush making sure i was actually ready for the show rather yeah. than checking off the items um and you know I've, I've i've since marked those off you'll be pleased to hear um which is good the one exception to this i should say is um i don't have tasks for my blog posts um, I don't do that. I just have um, a view in um, in uh, Obsidian where 
uh, or a file in Obsidian which lists all of my my draft blog posts, so I can kind of see them as a list of things to do. Um, and when when I'm done, then it's 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 finished and that's it. Um, so that that's what I do there instead. And I don't know is that something you also do because then it is kind of task management, but it's also I don't feel any particular pressure to go and write. Uh, a blog post at this precise moment in time. Yeah, you and I are kind of on the same page with that. Although I am really trying to delegate some more of the back end stuff. Like, um, mm-hmm. you know, I've been on a roller coaster between shutting down the law practice and getting the labs up and the stuff I'm doing, but I'm starting to kind of get things are starting to smooth out a bit. And I just haven't had time up until now to figure out what I can delegate. But if I end up delegating some of that stuff, then it will turn into tasks. But for now, like getting a blog post up for me, I, I don't need a checklist for that. That's just a waste of time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and like for me, just having the blog post there, like any notes of anything in particular that I want to write, um, I just put it in the actual post file. I'm I'm yeah. really trying to simplify things like that. If I if it's just an idea for a blog post, it gets a file. Um, it, it doesn't matter, um, you know, whether or not there's loads of detail in there or if it's just three words, it's totally okay. And I'm trying to, you know, not make myself overthink these things because it doesn't have to be a task, um, if it doesn't need to be, which is quite useful. And I think that's one of the things where I've been, I've done very well with Obsidian, you know, my entire home network, um, the, the setup of it, the structure, um, all of the Mac addresses, fixed IP addresses and stuff, all of that pretty much right now is documented. There's a few things missing in a couple of places. Um, and that's it. And I've been able to do that just because I added like the first file and then I, I progressed from there and added more and more things. Um, and I'm really pleased that I was able to accomplish that because I just, Sent a note and then I added a little bit to the note and things just kind of snowballed until I realized, hey, my entire home network pretty much is documented, which clearly means it's time for it to redesign my home network and <laughs> adjust how everything is laid out. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, it is surprisingly easy once you've got a good application for things like that to well, just keep I mean, the ball rolling. I mean, they're called personal knowledge management done. for a reason, right? And Exactly. You know, the, um, and I get like, I do have notes in here on stoicism and meditation and Buddhism. And I have, I have like kind of the intellectual wing of my obsidian install, but I also have the note that shows when my dog needs her vaccines. So it is kind of, you know, all encompassing in some respects, but I, I don't take it to the length of, of managing tasks and calendars as well. Or yeah. the other one people always do with it is they put their their journals in it. And, uh, you know, if you've got the end-to-end encryption, I think there's no reason why you shouldn't. But I like using day one. I've been using it for mm-hmm. a long time. Um, like making an entry in day one on my iPhone is way easier than it is in Obsidian on my iPhone. So, uh, you know, I, I've chosen to, you know, leave other some areas out of it. One thing I want to go back to real quick, uh, you talked about like ideas for blog posts. And I, that is something I've thought through a lot lately because I am suddenly, I've got multiple channels. It's not just a blog, but mm-hmm. I've got podcasts, blogs, labs, field guides. And um, I found myself getting hung up when I get a new idea, but like, well, where does it really fit? So now I just capture what I call content ideas and it's just yep. a content idea. And I, I've got a category there and I flag it at the time I capture it with active or future. 
And so I can look at ideas. And then when I have time to think about it, say, oh, this would be a great blog post, or this should be something I should run for the Max Barkey Labs, or this should be an episode with me and Rose. And and uh, and actually taking out the decision of what I do with it at the moment of capture has really helped me. Yeah, honestly, that's one of the reasons why I end up using drafts so much, because I just write something and then it's like, okay, right, this is a note that I'm going to want to like flesh out and do stuff with i'll just chuck it into obsidian um or hey this is probably a, a blog post idea um and so it also throws it in obsidian but it throws it in a specific obsidian folder um for me which is which is nice and you know just trying to remove some of that that friction which means that you can actually do all the things that we need to do instead of you know spending all of our time tweaking gears and stuff so that we can crank the widgets in exactly the right way that is needed which yeah. is not so much fun all right. Well, uh, so we did get to talk to about Obsidian after all today, Rose. Yeah, not not the four hours you wanted with Federico, but I'm sure we can get him back in the future. I just won't tell him it'll be a four hour show in advance. I, actually, if we tell him it's about Obsidian, I think he'd be probably be down with it. You know, I, uh, I mean, probably, yeah. probably. We'll have to ask him and see. <laughs> okay, so that'll do it for today. We're the Automators Podcast. You can find us at relay.fm slash automators. This is episode 99. Rose, what are we going to do for episode 100? I was thinking a big party, like party like it's 1999, um, except it's currently episode 99. So we've still got a few weeks. And of course, if anybody's got anything in particular they want to share with us for episode 100, they should send that in. Um, you can tweet at us, Automators uh, FM on Twitter. Uh, you can email us. The link's on the Relay FM website, relayfm slash automators. And of course, you can post it in the forums um, to, to share things. Um, you know, maybe the favorite automation thing you've learned uh, from automators or the favorite non-automation thing you've learned. That's okay too. Um, but yeah, share, share your favorite stuff with us and we've got some fun things planned for next episode too. Yeah, we should probably have said that at the beginning of the show, but you know, there you go. <laughs> We're excited. We talked about automation <laughs> April. Um, thank you to our sponsors, Electric, Smile, Hunter Douglas, and Doppler. We'll see you next time. Goodbye, everyone.